Hey, Nikki. Hey, Selena. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sweet Tea and TV. Hey, y'all. Where you are treated to my weekly neighbors doing their lawn. I think it's a different neighbor this time than it usually is. Yeah, it's he like they're moving, but they came back just I was to do thinking yard that. work. <laughs> I was thinking that. God bless him. Is he now doing yard work at two places? I probably. That's I, what I want to know. I think that's the height of happiness for him, honestly. So I wish it was the height of happiness for me. I was going to say, I can't decide if I want that to be me or not. I just want the results. Yes. That feeling, that I did really enjoy. Like, I, everybody I ever talked to who, like, enjoys yard work, they're like, oh, I just love that feeling when you're so accomplished. And I'm like, yeah, but can we speed it up to that? They call it the post mower's high. The post mower's high. Did you just make that up? Just right Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm very out of tune with gardening, so that's all I know. <laughs> All my landscaping friends tell me it's right. called the post-mowing high. You're like, it's the post-mowing free basing. I'm Truly, like, what? <laughs> this is the first year since we've, in like seven years, that we have paid someone. No, that's not true. First in five years, we've paid someone to do our yard work. And it's been kind of magical yeah. not having to get out there and do it. I love, like you said, the post feeling. But ugh, there's other ways. Finding the time to do it, doing it before it's too hot, getting it done to where I, like I'm happy with it. Because I'm also, I have really high standards for myself. Other people, I'm like, that's good enough. For me, I'm like, ooh, you could have done better. Yeah. Yeah. That's not what we're here to talk about. It's not. But, you know, I mean, it's important to protect your time. That's true. Um, and I, you would think I would roll into um, some kind of... Uh, transition there, but I got You're not nothing. going to? No. Oh. You got no. one? No. Well, uh, it's important to protect your time, you know, so you can do other things. Like go to baseball games. Date your preacher. I was going to say go to church. <laughs> oh. Are we transitioning straight into the, oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Well, I could have transitioned just to the episode. I thought you wanted me to transition you into an opener. Oh. Eh. The episode. <laughs> Welcome to this week's edition of <laughs> Sweet TV, where we're going to talk about Designing Women, Season 4, Episode 25. Have faith. After she starts dating a minister, Mary Jo decides she is unworthy of his attention and tries to break off their relationship, is how Hulu summarized this episode. The air date is May 7th, 1990. We're calling this one just a little bit wicked. It's written by Paul Clay and Pam Norris. Uh, so Paul wrote Oh, What a Feeling, and uh, he was married to Pam during the time of Designing Women. They are no longer married. And it was directed by David Trainer. So I just thought, like, right off the bat, this is another episode this season that I don't think we get in 2023. Like, this steeped in religion where we are attending a Sunday morning service with, like, part of the cast. Oh. Um, just don't see that a lot anymore. Like, every great once in a while. Maybe that's because, like, maybe you don't really need it that much. I don't know. Hmm. How about you? Um, so I sort of on that note, kind of, because it's about preachers, this episode got me thinking about preachers in kind of a different way. Oh, um, uh-huh. at the end of the episode, Eugene said, um, that he spends most of the day trying to be as good as God expects him to be and always falling short of what people are sure he is. Yeah. Ah, that must be so much pressure. I, so he is definitely one of my general reactions or prompted it, which is, I just kind of felt yeah, I just felt bad for them. Like, and I guess like, uh, you just really need to think about everybody, you know, mm. think about your minister. We'll talk about spiritual that leader. a little bit in extra sugar this week. Cause we're going to talk about ministers and preachers dating. And there is an element of loneliness to it that really kind of 
made me a little bit sad. Yeah. Uh, my other, my other general reaction is just like dating in general as an adult continues to look very daunting. <laughs> like it just looks like a lot. There's a lot to take into account. Like his job, for instance, and Mary Jo's feelings of insecurity and her children and her, you know, baggage with her ex. There's just a lot. It just seems hard. Yeah. My heart goes out to people dating as adults. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, pro- I probably wouldn't participate, to be honest. <laughs> I really feel like, w- what if you and I were single at the same time in our late, th- like, I don't think we'd ever leave the house. Do you hear that, Kyle and Casey? <laughs> I don't think Straighten up. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We'd never leave the house. Oh. I would be much more well-versed in, like, movies and TV, and I think I would have you crafting. Was and we would Grey stay home Gardens? all the time. Grey Gardens? Yeah. What is that? This is the Kennedy Onas. The Kennedy cousins that like are Onassis oh. cousins that they never leave the house. They never leave the house. Yeah. Um, and they're very eccentric. That could be me. That could be us. As <laughs> if we're not eccentric and never leave the house. Do you think people identify you as eccentric? I don't know if people identify me as eccentric or not. I'd like to think so. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, y'all tell us. Yeah. Do you think are we're we Southern eccentric? eccentrics? Oh. Um, I also just like thinking about this whole thing about, you know, we're all just feeling really bad for our um, spiritual leaders now. When uh, Mary Jo brought up that really good point right at the very end where she said, why is it that people think people who are religious are either no fun or boring? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I feel like I can put some of that together. Like I could, I could lob in an answer, but but the thing is, is like, yeah, that's terrible that you just think that, um, like maybe there's such a striving for perfection. I do think there is the thing about not drinking that's probably in there. I'm not even a preacher and that applies to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think, I don't know. It's just, it was something that really made me ponder for a minute. I wonder how many preachers are like Eugene. Like he seems like a pretty cool guy. He's got a funny sense of humor. He likes watching SNL. He is pretty laid back about things. So I want to know like, Again, this is kind of feeding off of my extra sugar research. Mm -hmm. I think in non-traditional churches, it's much more common. But like in in the church that Julia Sugarbaker likely attended, how many of those preachers are kind of laid back and wacky watching the church lady on SNL? It feels like probably denominational. Yeah. If we are going to sit here and focus this energy on Judeo-Christian based religions. Um, like, uh, I mean, much so like how Anthony made that crack at the beginning about the Episcopalians, right? The only thing they're bending over for or something is a golf ball that's been dropped. That's the biggest like yeah. scuttle. Yeah. In the, so, I mean, maybe there's something to that, but like, I will tell you that, I mean, I grew up, I went to all kinds of stuff and I was really involved in the church at different points in my life. And I think, I think a lot of preachers have big personalities. I don't know that any of the preachers in my upbringing I would identify as like fun and laid back based on my experiences with them. If anything, and I mean mean this in the nicest way possible, my interpretation a lot of times is they were trying. Trying to be cool? Yeah, that's right. Trying to make the kids like them. That's right. Get hip to my generation. Anywho, the whole point in me bringing that up was if I could find me a Eugene. Where are we? If I could find me at Eugene, that's a church I think I'd like to attend. He was um, humble and he knew his limitations as a human and how 
he's not meant to be perfect, but he can try really hard. Sure. I like that. Look at that. That was so beautiful. Do you have other general reactions? I just had a couple of things. I just, well, actually, I really had a question for you. Did did the church experience feel like realistic to you? You mean like the coffee yeah. thing? Coffee, uh, donuts, pinning the thing on the late on on the lady on the lady we call Mary Jo. Um, only no, but only because I've never, never been through that. I don't like the when I mm, the church I think about the most often. I have two churches, and they're both my grandmother's on either side, and. Yeah, no, one, you just sort of showed up and went to church. The other one, they did have like a foyer and you would walk through and pick up your program and whatever else. Um, And they would welcome you. And I think for the new people, they would have, they'd pull you to the side and talk to you for a minute. But like the corsage and the sitting and the meeting, the preacher thing, I I don't remember that happening. I think most of it happened after church when they had the like post-church reception in the fellowship hall. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know. Well, if, uh-huh. so I guess I should say it felt true to my experience. Well, that would have been so, a faster way to get to that answer. Well, I want to I bring you in. I want to bring you into the fold. But I, you know, I, so I, yes, the recognition of the new guests. Yes, like automatically being like, and would you like to watch Cars this afternoon? Like all of that just felt. Coming in hot. And Southern. Uh, yeah. like, like automatically we know each other. There's mm. no like whatever. I mean, I when I think about going to church too, it would be like, Hug everyone around you, everybody. Mm. And of course, me being the person I always am, I was like, can we just like, can we not? What about a fist bump? How do we feel about a fist bump? I feel really good about just, let's just get to it. Let's just breeze past. I do like a coffee and donut hour. I I don't know. Like the donuts. Those sort of like um, get to know you chit chat things. Yeah. And the being recognized as an outsider, because that's essentially what it is. That's all too much for me. Oh, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm definitely not thinking of it as a guest. I'm thinking of it as a member at this point. So watching for more of that side. And then you're just there with people you know and enjoy. Yeah, I can see that. I'm very clear that this is a long time version ago of myself and not anywhere near. And I just really like Krispy Kreme. Um, so uh, my very last thing is that I felt like I was having some kind of reaction to Mary Jo having some kind of reaction to dating a man of the cloth. So like on the mm. one hand, I sort of understand how she felt a certain way about little white lies but like also like she was taking it to like a whole other level mm. Aspe- like but b-u-t-t is not a cuss word yeah that was weird and then she turned around and said ass and i was like <laughs> which i was like whatever like you know i don't care about cuss words but um i also got to thinking about how maybe there's something to that radical honesty though like maybe not what she was doing but just like it did kind of cut past some of the games mm. instead of being like, oh, I just didn't even think he would call. Oh, mm-hmm. I mean, she expected him to call. That's okay. They had a good time. Mm-hmm. Like just getting past some of those, like that kind of thing about dating that I never could get into, which is like, let's pretend like we don't both know what's going on here, mm-hmm. like for some sort of like ritual. Anyways, mm. I thought maybe there's something to that. If she just, just lean into it and be like a little less... Like less we less confessional, yeah. Less confessional, yeah. So that was my last general reaction. Okay, what about strays? I thought that there were some cut lines that were pretty funny and added a little more color and context to Mary Jo's dilemma of like you know hot for preacher. Mm-hmm. Um, what it, next time he's near the baptismal fount, perhaps we could get a little wet T-shirt action going. Well, I'm sorry, Julia, I can't help it. I mean, I think Billy Graham is sexy too. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of preachers are sexy. 
Sounds kind of perverted, though, when you say it. I mean, like sitting around and watching the 700 Club and getting hot, which all this sounds like Charlene talking. I'm pretty sure that was Charlene. That Especially with like the her. hot part. Yeah. <laughs> Can even hear the way she's saying it. But, yeah. it, you know, it just kind of brings in some of that stuff that there was like a sexual tension there that Mary Jo felt uncomfortable with. Mm. What was in your strays? Uh, there was another cut line that included a reference to Donald Trump. Um, it was right when they were talking about the ladies, um, when the ladies were talking about Mary Jo missing church a lot recently. It was sort of it was sort of icky, honestly. But it was basically about uh, how Donald Trump was allegedly cheating on his wife Ivana, and then there was this caller into the Larry King show who suggested she just look the other way, as quote all smart women do. Mm-hmm. And then one of the women, I'm thinking maybe Mary Jo, commented how much it annoys her that women encourage other women to be grateful with the short end of the stick. And I just feel like that was a. Um, it was a new. I think it was a nuanced discussion and a nuanced piece of. It, it would have been nice to hear that, I think. It was a good cut because it was, I mean, it really, like, was kind of gross about Donald Trump. And I think it would have been true to the time. But now that we know what we know about him, I think it's kind of jacked up. But I thought it said something really interesting about how women have historically been told to look at adultery and being adultered on. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I had a couple of more things. Suzanne being pretty minimized in this one. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. so, and you know, we could be suffering from a, like, because sometimes, you know, this is supposed to be the season when all of these off air issues are supposed to be ratcheting up. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, but it feels like she's still the central character in some episodes, mm-hmm. you know, and then in other characters, she's just like gone. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is a little different for this show. I think you at least get to see everybody. Everybody's earning that SAG card, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, uh, I thought that was really interesting and that stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like, I don't know, she's been so funny in recent episodes yeah. that it felt like a loss not to have her around. And then I, and she comes back in the next couple of episodes in pretty prominently. Ways. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it sort of like, Begs the question again, like maybe most of the things that were filmed with her less in it came towards the end or like they kind of moved the episodes around after um, <laughs> recording them. But like maybe all the the way they filmed it, maybe she petered out in mm. the filming process. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, well, we don't know. We weren't there. Right. Come on, LBT. Let us know. Sure. She wants to talk about it. Um, and then one other thing I was going to say is that I think Mary Jo and this guy had really cute chemistry I hate we're never going to see him again. Can like, yeah. we just bring a good one back twice? Yeah. I thought they had really good chemistry. Yeah, I thought they were cute together. Um, the visitor's corsage at the church uh-huh. was just really large. It's very big. It's really large. I don't want to wear that. No. Uh, we also got to see Mary Jo's house again. We haven't really seen that part of the set in a long time. Oh, yeah. There weren't any massive changes that I noticed. Nothing really stuck out to me. But I just, as soon as they landed in her living room, I was like, wow, we haven't been here in a while. Uh, JD went to Cincinnati a year and a half ago, she said. I couldn't remember if we had that resolution, if we knew it had been that long. It feels like a long time, but I feel like we just talked about him. Well, he does come around early in the season for Mm -hmm. the North Georgia Mountain one. But he was already gone, I guess, to Cincinnati at that point. I had a guest star alert, Bruce Davison, Davison, the minister. He has, like, he's super long filmography but most notably for you selena he played senator kelly in x-men it's absolutely what i think of him <laughs> as um yeah for sure 
I also wanted to say that neither Mary Jo nor the preacher were wearing appropriate outfits at the Braves game. There was nary a Braves hat or jersey to be seen. I'm glad that you, so I took the same picture. Oh my gosh, that you, drove me crazy. It's because it's in my 90s references. Let's oh, just go ahead and rip that Band-Aid off now. Those, the, that windbreaker he's wearing He's right wearing there. a neon, almost neon pastel color block windbreaker. Let me tell you something. I lost at least 12 of those on the playground. And on the <laughs> I come home, Selena, where's your jacket? I don't know. I have no idea. It's on the playground. How do you miss all those highlighter colors? I don't question. know. But yeah. And it's over a plaid button-down shirt, which is just an interesting choice to make. And not, khakis. The, the thing is, is, I actually really like her jacket. It just needs, like, I love when they put a bunch of different materials together, but it needs to be, or like a bunch of different patterns, but it needs to be all updated. And hers is almost like, uh, I imagine, putting a quilt together or something, a bunch of different patterns and fabrics. Exactly. And together. I love that look, but it's all too dated to look good. <laughs> And also massively inappropriate for a Braves game. We should be wearing jerseys. We should be wearing hats. Maybe a glove. He could have brought a glove. Could have brought a glove. Uh, and then my last Braves-related game uh, note is that Mary Jo, of course, brought up a story that included breasts while they were at the Braves game. Mm -hmm. And she also mentioned her inability to hold her booze. So... We doubled down on the callbacks to Mary Jo. Like the basics of Mary Jo's character. We booze continue We continue to double down on Mary Jo, the booze and boober. Yeah. And I really like that. I appreciate that. The booze and bruise and boober. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's so funny because my very last stray is the fact that I just kind of felt like this episode was an excuse for some baseball references. Yeah. And with that in mind, Nikki Mays. What? I have to ask, may we sidebar? Yes, let's. It's a sidebar, Selena, sidebar. She's got a keyboard looking for a reward by digging deep in the obscure, taking us on a detour. What you got, Selena, in Selena's sidebar? Hey. Hey. <laughs> I wasn't really sure where to go with the music still going. I was like just over here like out in my own atmosphere. Anyways, this was... This was like big for me to do a sports segment on this show. Okay. It was brave. But let me tell you, I'm calling this one ESPN, Selena's top five fans on the field moment. That is ESPN as in eh, sports, please no. Oh no. So that's because while no one would ever dare label me, not anyone in this room right now, not anyone in this house or anyone who's ever met me, a sports fan, I'm always down for Two sports-related things. One is like a good sports doc or movie, mm -hmm. like Save the Last Dance or Eight Men Out, if we're going to stay on the baseball theme here. I'm going to try as long as I can. And then number two, something wild and wacky to take me out of the game. I'm bored. Let something crazy around me happen. So the show in this <clears throat> instance wound up referencing two such moments from that latter category, these wacky moments. One is a World Series streaker. The other is a bandit kisser. Those don't always go together, but they do this time. Which they can. In, they can today, <laughs> which inspired me to assemble five show-stopping fan moments. So we're going to start with five and four that have already been given to us so we can break those down for people who didn't know. Because I have to, well, actually, let me just ask you, did you know who Morgana was? Mm -mm. Okay, so I, neither did Casey. I had to look these things up. But I'm going to start with that World Series streaker. I, you're going to 
wind up popping in and telling me, I found it and his name is Tim. But I like looked all around and the thing is, it's like there's a lot of randos who run on fields. It's kind of hard to narrow down, I think. Yeah, it was really tough. And then on top of that, streak means something else really important in sports. <laughs> so oh. on a Google mm. search, it becomes a little difficult to kind of parse out what's what. But at any rate, I'm hoping you'll accept in its place because I couldn't find something from the late 80s that was a specific World Series streaker. What I did find is in Game 6 of the 1986 World Series, Shea Stadium, Mets versus the Red Sox, the first inning was interrupted by a brrr, parachutist who landed on the field that man was 37 year old michael sergio who was also donning a let's go mets banner he received 100 hours of community service and a high five from ron darling who i assume was a player at the time sorry ron can't say i know you but i'm super excited for you so that's number five i am also gonna let me know if you're having quite are you just looking stuff up i'm just looking stuff up okay because i think we know from um the writing on the show that it's not always the most current references that they're referring to. She's what very I, Amy Sherman Palladino in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And what I don't remember is the context around it. So I'm just Googling streakers during the world. Series. Oh yeah. It's a whole thing. Um, number four, we are going to move on to Morgana. Now the kissing bandit it's right there in the name folks for 30 years, starting in 1969 with Pete Rose, this Southern, char I do know who Pete Rose is by the way. Good that's for you. Yeah. This Southern charmer. That's right. Y'all she's from Louisville, Kentucky was known and beloved for rushing the field and kissing players on the cheek. So according to Morgana, she's been arrested 19 times for her field rushing escapades. Oh my gosh. She's been injured on multiple occasions. 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 <laughs> this wily lady has had a cracked kneecap, broken oh, tailbone, geez. and three cracked ribs. A fan buzz article chronicles more of her fascinating journey that ended with her reportedly earning millions from her persona. So we'll link to that article because it's it's pretty interesting if y'all want to read up. She's I think a little they, top heavy. Uh, that's. That's why they love Morgana the <laughs> Kissing Bandit. And I think if you if you put it all together it, it and know that background, it makes that part a little bit funnier. If you don't know all that background, it just is it's not confusing, but it doesn't really sink it quite the same way. Gosh, now I'm gonna have to read all this later. <laughs> You're welcome, man. Sorry. Um, hometown shenanigans coming in at number three. We can't have a proper roundup without an Atlanta Braves fan. In 2019, said fan ran onto the field during a game versus the St. Louis Cardinals. He took the then SunTrust now Truist Park security team on quite an impressive jaunt, if you will. It started out fun, then they slammed <laughs> him into the wall and dogpiled on him. So it ended fun for the Not police. for him. <laughs> yeah. Um, it apparently led to some conversations around the time about, like, how I much force this. do you need for that drunken person running around the field? Um, he probably would have gone down if you blew on him hard enough. Yeah. Uh, he, man, he really had him run. There's like 20 of them <laughs> running around the field. I, it was quite the sight until Maybe. it was just like, because it was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it's almost as if they should work on their like cardio endurance over like building muscles. Like just catch them. Right. I mean, it, it was, I don't know. It was like watching little ants on the field or something. I don't know. <laughs> Poor guy. Number two, Disco Demolition or the name of perhaps the worst promotional idea in baseball uh -oh. history. So are you familiar with this? Mm -mm. Okay. I was learning all new things. I bet you were. See, so, sports are exciting. So exciting. So the Chicago White Sox offered super cheap tickets 
to anyone who would donate a disco record to be blown up by a local radio station during the break between a double head. <laughs> I, I didn't. Blown up as in like I TNT? This, I guess. I think this is like 78. I meant to write that down, so apologies for that. But so it was a sold out event. So it must have, that part must have gone pretty well. But during the demolition, Thousands of fans stormed the field to burn records. Um, oh. They wanted to get in on that action, y'all. Well, yeah. Yeah. So the field was so damaged that the second game couldn't be played, and the White Sox had to forfeit the game. Oh, no. So, yeah, but, like, the whole idea in the first place, exactly. Like, whether you're calling it blowing up, whatever you're doing there in the middle of the field, it was, like, probably maybe a little exciting for people who are all boozed up and excited about a doubleheader. But it's like incitement go. when you have right. a large group of people. That's right. During the summer, probably. So they're sure. probably a little hot. hot. They've probably yeah. been drinking. Right. I do wonder sometimes some of these stunts, do they, A, not think it all the way through? B, think it all the way through and then choose to turn a blind eye? Because they're like, surely that wouldn't happen. Or C, is it all part of the game? I think that this is, it's almost similar to the way that we talk about this show. And like, you don't know what you don't know until you know it, mm -hmm. right? And so I think, I really think the 70s was a more innocent time. I think I, really I hear think, those were the good old and days. And not innocent. But like I there's just some things I guess like you don't think that you have to have eight people get smacked at an intersection and yet we continue to smack eight people at an intersection before we put up a light. You know what I'm saying? I, see I think what you mean. sometimes we're just throwing it against the wall and see what'll happen. Then like something crazy like this happens and then we kind of rotate and go the other way. I just think bombs and fire and sports fans. And outdoors. It's probably just not a good combination. Not the longest, best history, right? That's right. Yeah. Number one. Let's end on a sweet note instead Let's. of a bomb um, in fires. This is with basketball. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> but it's a heel turn, but I promise it'll be worth it. So in 2016, during an at-home New Orleans Pelicans game against the New York Knicks, also, incidentally, I learned that there's a team called the New Orleans Pelicans. It's a very this. funny name. They change names, right? That must be it. Because I am not so unfamiliar with sports that I don't know like teams' names. But I was like, the huh? Anyways, so a young fan ran onto the court, but it was just to give Anthony Carmelo a hug. Aww. So I thought we'd end very sweetly this time. And Nikki, with that in mind, besides an episode taking place at a Braves game, what else did you like about this episode? So, um, I, I feel like Suzanne's really going through something with Charlene's commitment to her baby. So you mentioned how she played sort of a low key role, Yay. but also she was one of my favorite parts in the episode. Um, she feels really left out. And I thought this line was really great. Well, I bet I know where Charlene is. She's doing something with that baby. She's always feeding the baby. You're changing the baby. You're making sure the baby's not joking on anything. I'll tell you something else. I think she likes that baby better than she likes us. I thought that was so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and also funny. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Anthony's comment you mentioned earlier about being Episcopalian. The only time Episcopalians crawl around on the floor is if somebody loses a golf ball. Um, and then Anthony appearing on screen at the Braves game at the end of the episode. I laughed out loud legitimately from the depths of my soul. Laughed out loud every time he staggered onto the set. And I watched this episode like three times. Right. Every time I laughed again. Uh, it was just so, he's so disheveled. <laughs> he's so distraught. The physical comedy was 
talk to you. I would be too if I had just gotten rolled in the men's restroom. And like sent out with a young man's pants and a lady's tank top. Is the implication that that kid's just real short? Short. Okay. Yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't think. And it's funny. They call them Calypso pants. I don't think those are Calypso pants, but that's okay. <laughs> that's here nor there. Because someone might have gone down a Calypso pant rabbit hole. Oh, I went with Calypso pants because they were kind of cropped and like a little stringy at the bottom. Mm-hmm. But I don't really know what a Calypso pant is. I think they're like wide-legged soft pants mm. um, that usually have like a, they're belted at the top and they have pockets on the side and you can dress them up or make them casual. I'm, I'm not sure I'm fashion terminology was Anthony's priority. I, I don't even think it was him who called them Calypso pants. First, I don't it? think it was yeah. Mary Jo's priority or the preachers. <laughs> or, uh, or whoever wrote this episode. No one cared. No one cared. Yeah. The, the important thing is that Anthony got rolled in the men's restroom. And it had been foreshadowed at the beginning of the episode when he was talking about the bad behavior of these kids. Like, you, we all saw that coming. But you know and what? Yet, he still keeps trying. Didn't. He still keeps trying. They could change anytime. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. So I had a couple of things. They were all lines that I just really liked in this one. And I thought the exchange at the beginning between Anthony, well, I don't, I think it was at the beginning between Anthony and Suzanne was pretty good. Um, yeah, I'm always afraid I'm going to get pulled over. You know, they say mm-hmm. if you're a member of a minority group that your chances are much greater that you'll get stopped and searched. That's the trouble with you, Anthony. You're never happy. <laughs> Oh, excuse me. I guess I should have added on the upside that I get credit for being a much better dancer than I actually am. (laughs) He just gets some good zingers in there sometimes, and I really appreciate it. My other good one was, and I won't go through the line, but Charlene does like an impression of like what Julia would be like as a minister, and basically there'd just be holes Holes inside the the building. Oh, she's out there giving therapy again, or that's not really the church word for it, but... um, counseling right uh i really like that too anything else that you really like from this one nope nope screw it it. (laughs) (laughs) just kidding like three things i knew i'd get you um what about don't like gosh darn it my don't like was that i really didn't have much i didn't like at this episode i thought you loved it i thought it was easy and breezy but i think it covered a kind of a an interesting topic and a really interesting angle so i liked it there you go. So I'm going to say that this is another situation where it feels too strong to say there's anything I dislike right. about it. Because that's not it. But I did think something was off here. And this is something I've been thinking about a lot lately, which may say more about me than anything else. But did you see the look on my face? I'm so interested. I'm hanging <laughs> on every word because now there's two of us that have been thinking a lot about this really it's giving our best this. effort oh my gosh. I don't know these aren't real people but holy but crap there are these off-screen dynamics or whatever right and so allegedly right through this season we've had this thread about mary joe and her dating life post jd okay mm-hmm. it hasn't popped up a lot but it has popped up and Like, reflecting back on this season, I wish that thread had been a little stronger. I feel like maybe there was more that we could have done with it. And what's really bothering me, I think, is that Mary Jo is an underused character on this show, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me not put that on anyone else who may feel starkly opposite. But, like, all I can think about this season is how much I love Suzanne. Right. Which is funny because she's getting sidelined. But then Mary Jo gets an opportunity to shine and I feel like there's just not enough with this storyline. Like they all, like we talked about this before too. Like 
um, where it's just it just winds up falling a little flat. And I don't think that has anything to do with Annie Potts because I think Annie Potts is a phenomenal actor mm-hmm. who has been doing a bang-up job on young Sheldon. I think it's just, I don't know. They're just not giving her anything enough exciting to do, again, in my opinion. So that's my only qualm. Like, I'm glad she's here. I'm glad she's doing it. But I wish it was a little more. I, um... Couldn't disagree with you more, wonder. Selena, and I hate your face. <laughs> I wonder, no, that's not it at all. I wonder how much of that sentiment Annie Potts might have shared. Um, and I'm bringing this up because she said around her pregnancy, which we have not gotten to, her real-life pregnancy, which we haven't gotten to, but we have talked about, I think, in our Annie Potts Extra Sugar or um, segment about Annie Potts, we talked about how Basically, she wasn't allowed to be pregnant on the show, and she did make a comment that they couldn't have two pregnant women on TV at the same time because Murphy Brown was also pregnant, and Charlene had already had the baby plotline, so they felt like they had done the baby thing. And I wonder how much throughout the show she felt a little sidelined as well. So, and I I have to, um, you know put out there then now that we're having this conversation that, um, and I think this is one of the articles that you referenced in your extra sugar. It was recent this year and it was a really fairly long interview that she did maybe with glamor or something. And Mm -hmm. it was really good. And we may have even talked about this in the extra sugar, but you know, brain. Um, I think she did hint in a very Southern woman kind of way. Maybe I didn't enjoy all of my time mm-hmm. on designing women. That's, I that's what I true. picked up there. And I wonder if that's got me like subconsciously looking for that a little bit. So. Oh, that's a good point. And I think this is a perfect example almost of how we treat women when they say how they feel. So Annie Potts does it in a very veiled, guarded way. Um, and maybe even years after it happens, she speaks the most openly about it she ever has. Mm-hmm. She continues working. Delta Burke says what's going on and how she feels, and she's lambasted and has trouble really ever. I mean, her career did not recover to the point where I would argue Annie Potts is. I don't know that that's necessarily because of this, that's what happened. That may have been a conscious decision of hers. But I have trouble believing that that the way she was lambasted and the way she was treated as being um, ungrateful and disrespectful, That's I think it's all part and parcel. And it makes me think of... That actor from Grey's Anatomy, she was my father, the hero. Oh, uh, why? Yes, right, why? Catherine Heigl. Catherine Heigl. Similar situation happened to her. And I've been seeing a lot of interviews with her recently where she said, like, I never saw it going that direction, where I would speak up about what I thought was wrong and everybody would turn on me. And she says, I didn't do it probably the most um, strategic and... I'm going to use the word classy. That's not the word she uses, graceful, but maybe. graceful. Thank you. Um, I didn't do it maybe as gracefully as I should have, but I never thought for speaking up for myself, everybody would call me ungrateful. But no one would ever say that about a man. So this is the point I might I'm drive you off a cliff too. So this is the point I'm making is it's, it's an interesting way that we treat women and this, um, this way that we just, we have been conditioned and have to be conditioned to protect ourselves against something like that. Ah, screw it. Uh, man, that's really upsetting. Makes me want to eat some pie or something. Um, you, you have started to br- the day off that way anyway. I so. was going to say you have to cook it first. C- cook a pie? Yes. Oh, good lord! Well, 
<laughs> Why cook one when you can buy one? That's what I say. Good point. Um, so, uh, well, that got real insightful. Yeah, in the middle. <laughs> no, I loved it. Thank you for bringing that up because I think that is maybe that is something that's like circling in the back of my head that makes this like I, I, annoying is strong, but where you're just, you just agitated for people, you know, a little angry on their behalf. Yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> and all of this is speculation. This is all yeah. us basing it on bits and pieces we've read, but I don't think it's that far from the truth. We're women. We're very insightful. That's our stereotype. And we uh, overthink. That's right. Well, we just admitted that we just, <laughs> I've just been thinking and thinking about these fake characters. All I do is sit around and think about poor Charlene. Poor Charlene. Um, do we want to rate this sucker? I'm ready. All right. What you got? My rating scale is childish shoplifting shenanigans. That's how Anthony describes the wayward boys activities at the zoo at the beginning of the episode. Love it giving it a 4.75 i feel like if i didn't give the citizenship one a five i can't really give this one a five it wasn't quite as funny as that one but i really liked it and like you said i didn't have that much to take away from it yeah it's rating scales getting really challenging for me well you just hold on to your britches um i gave it a 3.3 out of five racy jokes you shouldn't tell your pastor as soon as i said 4.75 i started wondering if it should have been in the threes this is um, a very uh, subjective activity. Well, no, you can I give it a twelve if you want. Oh, I'm not concerned with or what you one. think about what I rated it. Oh, this is a safe space. So smart. We have agreed that we both get our own opinions. Yeah, we right. agree on that. Yeah. No, I think some of the things you, do you sway said. Me sometimes, though. That's what I was going to say. Is I think some of the things you said swayed me, and so now I'm like, mm, am yeah. I being too generous? Yeah. What did you say? Three point three. <clears throat> I'm revising to a three point five. Okay. Just don't forget to write it down. I am. Soon you're going to make me do math. Doing it right now. <laughs> um, so the reason I did that, I've pretty much already shared. Um, and, and I did think there was enjoyable parts. I don't want to take away from that. It just, just fell flat for me. Mm, I get that. 90s things. Uh, I cannot gloss over the Saturday Night Live church lady skit. Oh, um, the uh, Eugene mentioned that. It appeared regularly from 1990, 1986, who that's a typo, to 1990. I'm not fully confident that's right either. It's the late 80s, early 90s. What I like to consider my heyday of Saturday Night Live was like sort of the very early 90s into the mid 90s. This was a character played by Dana Carvey, and it's a church lady. You got to watch it. It's pretty funny. Uh, I also caught on to the Tyson-Douglas fight, not because I'm like enthralled by boxing, um, but I just feel like to talk about the late 80s and early 90s, you cannot overstate the influence of boxing in the sports world, at least as far as it was concerned in my house. But like even my mom enjoyed watching it. And my mom is oh, sort of really? an unlikely boxing watcher. Mm -hmm. So Mike Tyson was just one of the greatest boxers of the, of the time and probably all time, I think. But this fight, he was going against Buster Douglas. Mm -hmm. uh, he was considered, Buster was considered like massively the underdog. This fight happened on February 11th, 1990. Uh, he was considered massively the underdog. Mike Tyson was going to destroy him. In fact, it's now considered the biggest upset in boxing history where Douglas took him out. And I, I think a, a knockout. Yep, it was a knockout. Okay. -o. Um, not that like I knew this off the hip. <laughs> my my boxy, but I also looked into it because I actually so I have the I had this in references I needed to look up because honestly what really drew me into this reference was her 
being so frustrated over him saying, "Oh, whipped his butt. I whipped his butt. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what is she talking, <laughs> what is she about? talking about? So I went and I pulled like a post interview commentary. Oh, did he say that? Um, and I'm, I will, we'll share it with y'all. <laughs> um, he, he says, I whipped his butt. I whipped his butt. <laughs> Why are you cussing I so much? I might have pulled that part out because I didn't think it was that interesting. I think my actual takeaway was I didn't think anything he said was so like, ter- he thanked God. <laughs> he like As one does. Which is like your obligatory responsibility. I won Uno this happens. morning against my family and I thanked God. So. <laughs> there you go. Um, need to dig into that. Uh, and then he also said something about how he like how Tyson was over there flat on his ass or something like that. So he said those two things. Mainly what he talked about is everyone um, like not believing in him and, and just like just glossing over him. And I read a lot of, not a lot, but some of the commentary that, that people were saying ahead of that fight. And like, I can't imagine hearing those kinds of things about myself. And I'm also supposed to get psyched up. And I'm also supposed to have like all these things on the line, potential sponsorships, all of this stuff. But anyways, the people main, thrive on that, especially athletes. Yeah. They I guess it works. Thrive on people not believing in them. I thought this guy was never going to stop sweating in this video too. <laughs> I mean, they're just constantly wiping him off. Like he's going through like a car wash. So I was really distracted by that. I was like, he's so sweaty. Boxers are very sweaty people. It's, it's quite the thing. But the most shocking thing to me of all was actually, so he's a 40 to 42 to one underdog. He wound up earning 1.3 million for the tie for the fight. Tyson got 6 million. That sounds right. Tyson lost. Who's the bigger name. I also read that Tyson went out the night before with Bobby Brown and he said he could, he didn't go to sleep. And that's one of the reasons he probably lost. This is like, who knows if any of this is true. Okay. It's like half ass internet research, but, um, anyways, that he said something along the lines of he could stay up for 18 days and still beat this guy. So there you go. I think that Mike Tyson you look really closely at what he was doing in the late 80s and early 90s. I bet he lived the craziest life. That's thing one. Mm-hmm. Thing two is very important and in my head. And now I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh, I hate it when that happens. Oh, that's going to drive me crazy. I'm sorry. He had a wild life. Wild life. Oh, oh, him making more money. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned that he made more money out of the whole deal than Douglas did. That's almost probably an investment by the um, in, uh, by the sponsors mm-hmm. into a redemption story. Uh-huh. So their eye is on the next thing already. Like, how are we going to spin this? Because everybody loves a comeback story. How are we going to spin the greatest upset in history into the greatest comeback? Let's give him more money so it keeps going. Not with the Evander Holyfield fight. That was rough. Yeah, that was rough. That one I did see. My parents watched that one. I remember I remember the night that was coming on TV. I didn't I don't think I watched it, but I remember them watching it. I don't think I voluntarily signed up for it. I was over at a friend's house and her parents were watching it and it was on and we just happened to be in the living room and I was like, This is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I have this today. very vivid memory of being in my bedroom during that fight and just hearing. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, it doesn't matter. It's pretty the crazy. other 90s thing I had was Reebok Air Pump shoes. I know. I was hoping one of us would go after this. Are they going to come back? I'm not going to say much more than that. They were just That's shoes it. you could yeah. pump up. Are they going to come back? Have they come back and I missed it? These are no questions I can like, answer. Like, why please. aren't we doing these again? Those were so fun. Did you have a pair? Yeah. 
I had a pair yeah. and you, you, they have a little pump on the tongue and you pump mm-hmm. it. I don't understand the mechanics. I should have Googled it. I don't know, but you pump it and it, it tightens the shoe to your foot. So mm-hmm. it's, I think the idea was that it's like the greatest custom customization to your foot or whatever in a tennis shoe. Mm-hmm. It was just really fun to do. Yeah. Well, I've, I hope that for you. It was great. <laughs> for it would be very surprising to me if they haven't made some, That's what I was especially saying. right now. Yeah, we're there's living a lot in of nostalgia. Moment, all this navel gazing we're doing. Mm-hmm. Southern things. We had a Six Flags over Georgia reference. Yes. Six Flags holds a very special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, Braves game reference, obviously the whole episode, basically. Mm-hmm. And then we had another Jim Baker and Jimmy Swaggart reference, and you mentioned um, Billy Graham reference that was cut out. That's right. Also, I just wanted to say, so in the cold open, Mary Jo tells Julia that Charlene is late because the freeway is backed up. And I just wanted to say for the record that I don't usually hear people call it a freeway here. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to specify because mm-hmm. there's a few of them. Mm-hmm. So you might hear like, and I'm going to clean this up for you, okay? 75 is awful today. <laughs> <laughs> or there's a wreck on 85, construction on 285, I'm in hell. Uh, these are the things you might hear. But rarely is someone like, I'm on the freeway. Right. Yeah, I just thought that was kind of weird. Losing a chapter of my life on 285. (laughs) A helicopter just landed in the middle of the road. How strange. Um, There's a man running down the side of the road. How weird. Someone just just backed up on the interstate. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, good times. And now apparently um, sinkholes. I saw a sinkhole in Ponce. Is it Ponce? Yeah. It was bad. Um, not the first time that's happened either. I no. think there's been a whole, a whole thing around it. Yeah, for sure. Come to Atlanta, y'all. Come on here. <laughs> Never know what's going to happen. That's true. That's true. Um, I also just wanted to say that there is some crossover with church lady, mm, skit, which is me. Jan hooks. will who will eventually oh. be on the show. Um, she's, she stars in that skit. And um, winds up doing like an impersonation um, around that time. So there's some designing women, SNL, cross universe stuff going on there. Uh, Let's see. What else? Or did I jump on into references we need to talk about? I sure did. Did Oh, did you? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I just finished my last strip. Can anyone help me? (laughs) (laughs) This is what I'm saying. My last Southern thing. That was what I finished. Oh, okay. I'm ready to go. References that we need to talk about. (laughs) Sounds good. I just skip on down. I'm doing the extra sugar from like three episodes for now. <laughs> I looked up spike strips because uh, I was pretty sure what oh. she was talking about. So Charlene yeah. mentions that she backed up at the bank sure. and her tires are in shreds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are mechanisms that do exactly what she said. They shred your tires if you drive over them. They can be retractable or not, and they can be permanent or not. Mm-hmm. Um, they go by a lot of other names, a spike strip, a spike belt, traffic spikes, tire shredders, stingers, stop sticks. Does this sound, sound like... um? Oh, gosh. What's that movie with... Uh, Varsity Blues? No. Oh, when he's talking part. about the fireworks, um, my husband would die right now because I'm forgetting the name entirely. I'll remember it later. Um, stop stick stingers or just a tire fl- deflation device. Um, why I'm bringing this up? Because one, I just wanted to make sure I was thinking of the right thing. But I also... <laughs> there's like an entire Wikipedia article about these things uh-huh. uh, because... The military and the police use them a lot to stop, like, car chases. Mm. And apparently deploying them can be really dangerous business. Wikipedia said four officers were killed in 2011 deploying them. Um, So Charlene mentioned that they were really common. And at banks. That's where it happened to her. uh I've never seen this at a bank. I've only seen it at car rental places. Right. 
Um, especially like at the airport, we just rented a car in the fall and they were definitely there, but I don't see them very often. Um, so I couldn't find a definitive answer on whether they've become less common, but I did find a lot of proof they can be, like I said a minute ago, really dangerous. And in the UK, civilian use is outright banned. Like some people were putting them in their driveways. You can't do that. That's illegal. Um, you really so. did quite the deep dive on these. I just, it's, it was a slippery slope. Once I started, I was like, police died doing it? Yeah. Well, see, and you distracted me with the movie thing. Is it Joe Dirt? Joe Dirt. Thank you. Okay. Joe Dirt. Uh, when he does the fireworks and he just runs down the list, you're telling me you don't have no I'm going to tell you poppers. something. I had zero interest in seeing Joe Dirt, so I've never seen it. That, I'm sorry. It just looked terrible to <clears> me. I'm sorry. Touchstone to my youth, but terrible to some people. One man's trash is well, another man's treasure. You have a lot of interesting movie touchstones for your youth. SNL is my touchstone. That's normal. So Joe Dirt is a big movie for a lot of people. I'm just telling you. And it's you, an outcropping I can tell you SNL. that it also felt like just a really terrible Southern stereotype. It's a horrible. It was not happening. And it doesn't hold. I think even then it bothered me. It doesn't honestly. stand the test of time either, but... Um, so few things do. You know what I'm saying? So saying. Don't look too close and don't look back. <laughs> Just um, keep moving forward. Speaking of things that may not stand the test of time, oh there was boy. a real reference about, like a real random reference about a virgin hoping to be thrown into oh. a volcano. Uh-huh. I uh, don't understand that at all. So oh. I Googled it quickly uh-huh. and I didn't spend as much time as I did on spike strips because I thought spike strips were more interesting. Uh-huh. <laughs> Basically, this is a really common entertainment trope. Uh-huh. And it has sketchy real world roots. Like maybe some evidence that ancient civilizations Sacrificing used to virgins. sacrifice virgins in volcanoes specifically. Uh, that was the piece that was super specific. specific. Um, it was on Gilligan's Island. There was a whole plot line about I that. I feel like that gets brought up a lot. And it also, there was like, was it Neighbors 2? I think they go to a sorority party or they host one <gasps> and it's a virgin in the volcano party. You're right. Yeah, it's like a whole Is thing. that Neighbors or is that, um, no, that's House Bunny. Oh, House Isn't Bunny. It? That's it. That's right. It's a good movie. Oh, just got those crossed over. Oh, I those are similar. That. They're very similar. Oh, my. Yeah, I liked House Bunny a House lot. Bunny is so funny. Yeah, that's good. I love Anna Ferris. She's really funny. She's a delight. She's a delight. Uh, other references? That's it. Uh, all Took that, you, on a you didn't look up Mandingo? I looked it up. It got depressing, and <laughs> <laughs> I moved on. I don't know. It's pretty Southern, so I felt weird not bringing it up, but um, it's... It's a comment that Mary Jo is making on the outfit that made you laugh that Anthony's wearing, okay? See, and the other part that I, the other ethical dilemma I had with bringing it up was that I felt like it was really a throwaway line on a really serious movie. Like, mm-hmm. I felt like it was almost making light of, it felt, it felt off color to me. Yeah, so she is referring to the 1975 historical melodrama set in the antebellum South. I'd say the 250-foot synopsis is that it's about an 1840s um, slave owner um, who trains an enslaved person to be a bare-knuckle fighter. This is just, I read the whole synopsis. It's nuts. I'm not going to go. It got worse and worse. I'm not so going to go through all of you that. You were giving, what did you say, the 200,000 foot view? Yeah. To me, the 200,000 foot view is slavery, rape, and brutality. Yeah. It's it rough. Was, and it just got more rough. It's, it's rough. So the title of the film refers to the Mandinka people who are referred to as Mandingos, described as enslaved people who are good fighters. That's where it comes from. I mean, I think even that terminology is is 
problematic. I mean, that's why, like, to me, and it, one of the reasons I wanted to mention this is because to me, like, that terminology was always, like, I just threw that, I didn't really even understand what it was. I just threw it into that category of, like, probably not appropriate, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't need to understand. I just need to know probably from a, a an era of which of which we shouldn't touch. But we're talking about the references, and I, I'm... I'm going to report it out. It was critically panned when it first came out. Roger Ebert gave it zero stars. <laughs> and he called it racist trash, among other things. But as time has gone on, critical reception has become more favorable. Um, I won't go through that, um, through all the ups and downs of all of that. What I will say is that it certainly doesn't glamorize right. slavery the way that other movies and Southern references that we've come across in this show have, like um, a Gone with the Wind situation or these other Hollywood portrayals that just make it seem like if you're an enslaved person, what a wonderful day in the neighborhood it is. You know what I'm saying? So this one certainly didn't do that. I probably won't be going to watch it anytime soon, um, but it's also been um, influential for even people like uh, directors like Quentin Tarantino for Django Unchained and things like that. And that tells me everything I need to know about that movie. (laughs) Um, And that's it for me on references. All right. So next episode, season four, episode 26, Anthony's Graduation. This is where it's going to get hard for me with the numbers. So we're skipping over, if you're watching on Hulu, we're skipping over the retrospective episodes. There were two half-hour retrospectives. So we're skipping those because... How do you recap a recap? uh, It's just too much, right? Right. It would be like us going back and recapping our episodes. People do that, by the way. Which we're going to do in our season finale finale. So come back for that. (laughs) But what we're not going to do is we're not going to talk about the Designing Women recap episode. We both watched it. It's it's worth a rewatch if you're following along with the show, but we're just not going to recap it. So in the meantime, we'd love everyone to follow along with us and engage. Instagram and Facebook at Sweet Tea and TV. TikTok at Sweet Tea TV Pod. Uh, On YouTube, we are at Sweet Tea TV 7371, or you can search Sweet Tea TV Podcast. 4865 Don't do that. (laughs) Somebody was taking notes. (laughs) You'll never find us now. <laughs> our email address is sweetttvpod at gmail.com and our website is www.sweetttv.com. And on the website, you can find um, several ways to support the show. Uh, please tell your family and friends about us, rate or review the podcast wherever you listen and come back Thursday for Extra Sugar, which I've already sprinkled in reference to, but we're going to get to this idea of Mary Jo dating a minister. Is that even a thing? Well, you know what that means, Nikki. What does it mean, Selena? It means we'll see you around the bend. Bye.